0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. This is the John Fugelsang podcast. Good to have you here. I'm John Fugelsang, here to bring good trouble to the right wing bubble. And there's so much to get to and so much to be upset about, uh, so much to flip out about in the popular culture of the moment. We should be talking about Madison Cawthorn, this guy who assaults women, who came out today and said he's been invited to coke-drenched orgies with GOP lawmakers. We, we should be talking about Donald Trump, who's also accused of assaulting many women, who it turns out probably used uh, a burner phone for a seven-hour period on January sixth during the terrorist attack on our capital. Seven and a half hours. It, it, somewhere in hell, Nixon is screaming, "God damn it! I was only eighteen minutes." Or Matt Gates, uh, also a, a assaulter of women. Legally, who, uh, well, tried to enter Hunter Biden's laptop into the House record today, because news was coming out that was not good for Matt Gates. We'll get to all of that, but you see, the press doesn't dwell on these things too much. The press has been outraged by Will Smith's five fingers and by Joe Biden's nine words. We didn't get to talk about this yesterday, but Joe Biden has returned from his trip to Europe after what probably is maybe the most important speech of his presidency. He was over there for four days, and of course, this 27-minute speech in Warsaw, which even people who don't like Joe Biden are saying was one of his best, it was a strong repudiation of the butchery of Vladimir Putin. People were comparing it to Ronald Reagan's Mr. Gorbachev Tear Down the Wall address or JFK's Ichmanine Berliner address, except those two addresses, which I don't think were as powerful as Biden's, never called for regime change for Russian or Soviet leaders, but the nine words, Joe Biden, ad-libbed in the end, and it was ad-libbed. The White House, in one of their many processes of semi-walking it back, made sure to mention more than once these nine words were not part of the prepared remarks. They begin with, for God's sake, here's the president.
1: For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power.
0: Right away. Right away the Kremlin pounced on it, saying it is not up to the president of the US and not up to the Americans to decide who will remain in power in Russia. Biden was right to upset it, and he was wrong to upset it. You know you know how okay. Have you ever been in a marriage, you might know what this is like. You might be totally right about something that you shouldn't say out loud. You ever had that experience? Of, of coming out and saying something that is so damn true and you know in your bones you're right and then as soon as you say it, you realize doesn't matter if I'm right. No. If you've been married before, you might know, or in a relationship of any kind, you might know what it's like to be right about something but also know you should have kept your mouth shut. And the shock was bipartisan. The shock was international. It overtook the entire speech just like what Will Smith did Overtook a TV special that pretends to be about movies. Um, He wants to take out Putin? Is is, is Biden calling for regime change in Russia? 27 minutes of a massively consequential speech on the world stage. The entire thing was derailed by an ad-libbed taunt in the end. I mean, the headlines around the world were, Biden says Putin cannot remain in power. And again, this was not in the teleprompter. So within minutes, the White House was... Walking it back, the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors of the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. I, I admire the effort, but guys, it's it's goofy. He shouldn't have said it. it here's the deal. Um, if we can't criticize Joe Biden, uh, that's not liberal. That's not progressive. It might not overall help the cause. We have to be mostly monogamous with what is right. Tony Blinken Yesterday, seriously walked it back at his news conference in Jerusalem saying we do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. It's up to the Russian people. Now, Lindsey Graham came out two weeks ago and more or less said that Vladimir Putin needed to be taken out, needed to be murdered by his own people. Lindsey called for an assassination. Considerably worse than what Biden said, but totally counterproductive. And what I said at the time was a- the Kremlin's going to use this for propaganda. They're going to use it to tell the Russian people that America can't be trusted, that America hates Russia, that America wants to see Russia's leaders suffer. And if I call Lindsey Graham out for it, I got to call Joe Biden out for it. And, and, and of course, the other problem with it is <laughs> let's say this thing wraps up and Putin is somehow allowed to remain in power and the war is done and the sanctions are lifted. Well, um, we're going to have to deal with this man that our leaders may have called to have assassinated. It's not going to work out very well for anybody. So, again, everyone's been walking it back. You know, and this is one of the things I liked about Joe Biden. The fact that he does have these outbursts. They're called gaffes. And they call them gaffes because that's when someone tells the truth they shouldn't have told. And Joe Biden has done this many times. He shoots his mouth off. And sometimes he gets in trouble. He always makes the news. He wasn't supposed to come out as vice president and endorse marriage equality. Certainly not before Barack Obama did, but Joe Biden said it. He felt it, didn't want to keep it to himself. It forced Barack Obama to come out in favor of gay marriage while he was in a tight re-election campaign in 2012. But the words of a president matter. The words of a president can affect economies around the world. The words of a president can get men and women killed in battle. It doesn't mean Biden was wrong. We all would love to see leadership change in Russia. Uh, Senator Jim Risch of Ohio went on CNN on Sunday and said he gave a good speech at the end, but as you pointed out already, there was a horrendous gaffe right at the end of it. I just wish he would stay on script. Whoever wrote that speech did a good job for him, but my gosh, I wish they would keep him on script. Our NATO ambassador, Julianne Smith, said the president had spent the day visiting with Ukrainian refugees. In the moment, I think that was a principled human reaction to the stories that he had heard that day, but no... As you've heard from Secretary Blinken and others, the U.S. does not have a policy of regime change. And again, the Kremlin's making hay of this. They're having a field day. They're using it for propaganda, which I know is bad. But part of me kind of hopes that if some concerned Russians hear this clip on their state-sponsored news, it might motivate them to go onto the Internet and try to find the entire speech, because I would love the Russian people to hear the entirety of Joe Biden's speech. It freaked out people in NATO. It freaked out our allies. And again, what is the Kremlin going to focus on? The nine words? Or will the Kremlin be focusing on the walk back? I mean, even Matt Iglesias, even Matt Iglesias, who we love, said when addressing great power conflict, you want to stick to the prepared text. And if we got to drag Lindsey Graham for what he said, we got to drag Joe Biden for it as well. While also acknowledging he was right. He said the true thing he shouldn't have said. So here's Joe Biden walking it back. And I think Joe Biden kind of handled this and balanced it a bit more deftly than anyone in his team, including Tony Blinken. Here is Joe Biden in his press conference back in the States. Do you believe what you said that Putin can't remain in power? Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Did your words complicate matters? Well, yes, three different questions. I'll answer them all. Number one, I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is, I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man, just just brutality of half the children in Ukraine. I had just come from being with those families. And uh, and so, um, but I want to make it clear, I wasn't then nor am I now articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies for it. So is Joe Biden calling for regime change? Well, that depends on what your definition of is, is, you know, you can call the man a butcher, which he is, they're torturing and slaughtering civilians. You can say he's guilty of war crimes because he is. Mariupol is not even really a functioning city anymore. Russia's killed a city. I'm glad Brian Caram is joining us on this show. Because he's just been there. <sighs> but here's the deal. Um, yes, call him out. But here, even though Joe Biden should not have said those nine words, he was right. Putin is bad for Russia. Putin has steered his country's economy into a ditch for 20 years, while he and his douchebag friends become opulent billionaires. You know, Boris Yeltsin made a deal with the devil back in the 90s when this unknown regional guy, Vladimir Putin, was picked to succeed him. And Russia didn't transition out of communism into capitalism. They trans—they they transitioned out of communism into insane capitalism on steroids, where the majority of people in Russia live on about $10,000 U.S. a year. But Putin and his oligarch cronies have billions and billions of the entire economy is a racket. So yeah, Biden shouldn't have said what he said, but I'd love to see Vladimir Putin replaced by you know a human who cares about the people of Russia and who cares about their neighbors. Because if you, if you wanna have good relations with your neighbors, don't invade them, don't butcher the people. <laughs> a much more free Russia might not be able to have czars running it, but it'd be a lot more likable and would be a much more attractive location for foreign investment. Putin's scared. He wouldn't be talking about nukes if he wasn't. The sanctions are hurting his country. They are hurting his allies. The war is a debacle. Over a fifth of his generals have been killed in the field. There are reports that commanding officers have been attacked by their own troops who were lied to about the mission. But Biden said nine words and Biden shouldn't have said him. But Biden being wrong to say them doesn't mean Putin's right. It doesn't mean donald trump wasn't lying it doesn't mean donald trump's not lying right now he was back to praising putin's genius again at his (sighs) nuremberg rally the other night like the footage of the alleged ukraine troops torturing russian pows we saw last week sickening evil wrong it doesn't help it doesn't help the cause it's wrong If it's real, the footage of POWs from Russia being tortured by Ukraine troops, it needs to be called out because it's counterproductive. It doesn't help the cause. And in this case, it was illegal. But it still doesn't mean Putin was right to invade. Look, people want to beat up on Joe Biden all the time. He's old. He has a a stutter. He has historically committed gaffes. I'll take an old guy who commits gaffes over an old guy who can't stop lying and commits gaffes please (laughs) we have a republican party led by a reality show clown that is lies encased in bullshit wrapped in gaffes joe biden's walked it back the administration's walked it back regime change is not the policy he said the right thing at the wrong time it's that simple we can call him out for it without betraying anything we believe in we can call joe biden out for making a mistake. It doesn't mean we're not progressive. It doesn't mean we don't support him. It doesn't mean we're suddenly Republicans. I'm not even a Democrat, but Republicans have always forced me to vote that way. Joe Biden wasn't my top three choices for president, but I'm rooting for him. I like this old man version of Joe Biden better than all the Joe Bidens I grew up with. Doesn't change the fact that with everything going on, look at our culture. We have gone from a president who never got in trouble for lying to a president who gets in trouble Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I am always so happy. Anytime... We can talk to the great Brian Caram. He's one of our favorite guests here on the show. He's senior White House policy reporter for Playboy magazine and an award-winning investigative reporter, writer, producer, best-selling true crime author, and former correspondent for America's Most Wanted. Brian was the first American reporter allowed inside Pablo Escobar's palatial prison after Pablo escaped from the Colombian authorities. Uh, Catch his podcast, Just Ask the Question, and his book, Free the Press, out now as well as his brand-new documentary, Six Feet Apart. Brian Karam, welcome back. Hey, thanks, John. I'll, I'll correct you on one thing. No more Playboy. Went downhill. I know, that's right. Playboy is, yes. Yeah. We're, but, yeah. It's gone, baby. I know I, know, I know, I know. But you know but wait minute.
1: Our- I had a question for you. I had a question for you. You brought me on a hat. I have to ask this. You just listed all those Led Zeppelin albums. Which one is your favorite of Four. those? Four. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yep, yeah. That's Good the right choice. answer, right? Yeah. Yes, that what is about, the right yours? answer. Correct. <laughs> Number four. Number what's four, your, sign
1: in, please.
0: What's What's your favorite Beatles album? Is it Revolver? Oh. What? Well, come on. It's
1: Revolver. Oh, right? now, Revolver's a great... I like them all. Uh, they're Beatles. But, yeah, Revolver and and Abbey Road, I think. And, I the, well, then there's the White <laughs> Album and Sgt. Pepper and you
0: know, Beatles oh, 4. A couple good ones, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We could do Bob Dylan, okay. but we'll be here all night on this. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how glad I am, Brian Karam, to see you in, in good spirits. I'm such a fan of you as a journalist. And watching Family your work videos, too, man. Thank you Thanks. very much. But watching your videos from Poland and Ukraine uh, on social media have been so moving and so inspiring. I have so many questions for you, and I'm I'm glad you're back. You you. I just want to begin this by reading a tweet of yours. I just got back from a country where children were bombed in a theater. Parents are dead or maimed. Families are separated and suffering. I have colleagues who died trying to get this information out. Forgive me. I didn't watch the Oscars. I don't care who slapped who. <laughs> that, Brian, bro, when, I stand when, by that. <laughs> yeah, well, when when Zelensky's appeal video for protest got a million views, but Will Smith smack and our friend Chris Rock got 17 million views. I can understand how frustrating. Well, it I'm, I'm glad we got return. our
1: priorities straight in this country. That's all I can say. What will we do otherwise? Huh.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. What was it that made you decide you were hopping on a plane, Brian? Because originally you were just going to Poland. Well, I
1: I had to go there and, and I got to go back and, you know, I, I'm planning on going back in a in a couple of weeks, but I just think that it's right now, I think it's the story that needs to be told more than any other story. And I want to find out myself and those who want to go with me on that journey. Let's go. Um, that's, I just think that it's uh, too important a story to be left to corporations and stupid bloody Tuesdays, man, you've been an audio girl you'll know, let your knickers down type of
0: thing so yeah. I'm just, that's a good line you should write it down i like that yeah,
1: yeah. i'll see if john and paul will let me have it <laughs> but um yeah i i just think that it's a i there's too much bs that that is out there and i just need uh, i need to see the things things for myself is what it boils down to so Isn't initially
0: <laughs> no it's not it's what a real journalist does initially you were just going to poland up uh, to to witness what was going on with the refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, millions of Ukrainians have fled there. the country. I have a I have a friend who had to go to Poland and leave her husband and two sons behind because any male between 18 and 60 has to go fight. What was the Poland experience like for you? Was it what you expected? Well, I it's tense
1: in Poland, and there are, there are <laughs> Russians there watching you in Poland. We got tagged a few times. Uh, some of the people that were um, uh, helping us out, some of our fixers, had been uh, followed a few times, and you know it's you're wearing a, you know, a big bullseye right on your chest, but nothing's going to happen in Poland. What you do is you go to the train station. It's safe in Poland. It's just everybody's playing their games like it's the A team, or I, it's almost like a bad movie. So then you go to the you know you you go to where the trains are coming in the train station, and then you find out what's really going on, and you and you talk to these people that are displaced, these refugees who want anything but uh, to be where they are and still as defiant as hell. I mean, still flipping off Putin, still saying, I'm gonna go back. Uh, and so from right away, I got an idea that maybe the story was a little bit different than what I've been told about what's going on there. And, I, and I, So I had to go further. And so we went to Lviv and went to the open air market there. It was really nice. Took a tour with a woman who had put together a, a tour guide of the city. So she showed us all the really nice and all the old places. And you can just really feel there um, a real antipathy and a real and it's amped up another just another ratchet. So you've got air raid sirens, you know, sometimes you don't sleep at about an hour, hour and a half every night because the air raid sirens would go off. And while they would hit some places, they weren't hitting where we were. So it was more psychological torture for the people living there than actual physical uh, pain and suffering. And of course that changed later when they did bomb a couple of miles from uh, the hotel I was in. And, uh, but there, there was that, that city was twice the size that it had been a month before. So there was 2 million in a space where a million were, the traffic is horrible. The, the markets are, are, uh, you know, are, are just crowded and everyone is so damn nice to each other. I mean, incidents that would spark road rage in the. US yeah. these people under the threat of war are being nice to each other in traffic while saying they're going to really stick at the Putin and I'm going I don't know I don't think Putin can take this country you just look at it that way and you go there's no way in hell these people are resilient out in the country you've got people that they still have horse-drawn carriages with, you know, Ford and Lincoln uh, axles and staple on the back of their thing, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury. And, you know, they're taking their their horses to get gather wood, and they, they you know, they heat their homes with firewood. I mean, these people, you really don't want to mess with them, all right? You can't. There's not a whole lot you can take from them, and that's their land. So they're not going anywhere. And the people yeah. in the cities have determined that they're not going anywhere. And I think it all started with, uh, when you had Zelensky saying, look, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. I think that galvanized
0: a world against Putin. I agree with you. I was just talking to a caller about how inspired I am in spite of all this devastation to see a level of solidarity internationally that I've never witnessed in my lifetime. I wonder yeah. if this many countries had stood up against Bush and Cheney when they tried to invade and occupy <laughs> Iraq. How many lives could have been saved if this many people had done it? Uh, In your travels, Brian, in both Poland and Ukraine, did you come across anyone who was defending Putin and his actions? Anyone making the ethnically Russian argument? Anyone at all who thought this was justified?
1: No, you know, before the, uh, before I call it uh, Putin's chosen war, before his chosen war, um, (laughs) Russians and Ukrainians got along real well. Uh, In fact, most of the places that, you know, Putin is invaded. We're actually Russian heavy and they're suffering the most. Thank you, Putin. That makes a lot of logic, doesn't it? But now that um, the country is united against Putin, they also hold individual Russians responsible. So you're not really welcome to speak Russian out in public right now. That'll probably die down after the war. But they are very united and very angry. And as one woman explained it to me, she said, these are supposed to be our friends, our relatives. What are they attacking us for? Why? And so you know it that has created that and Zelensky has created a a huge huge um you know upswelling of support and 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 i think it has rallied the people who live there and yeah. so it's kind of a it's inspiring to see and uh you hope that we can do more and i think uh biden's recent trip there underscored what we were trying to say nato you know on the one hand, John, I, you, you almost have to, Putin is a genius. No one else. I've always thought you, so. Yeah, no one else could have united NATO and 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 the Ukrainian divisive public as well as he has. That, but
0: that's it. Like Muzzled I've always 12. thought. I've always praised Putin <laughs> as being, uh, as Louis Farrakhan might say, wickedly great. He's evil, but <laughs> damn, he's brilliant. What a gr- I mean, the most. He's brilliant- not as good as Doctor Evil, but he thinks he is. I mean, after Trump, I just thought, and after Brexit, I just thought this is the most brilliant military tact, the most brilliant political <laughs> tactician of my lifetime. I mean, Trump's pulling us out of open skies, like like literally, Trump's pulling troops out of Germany and not telling the Germans. I mean, Putin was brilliant, and this has been such a series of missteps, fuck ups, and just naked, naked uh, uh, derelictions of duty on Putin's part. I got to ask you, what, what has he accomplished? I mean, what has well, he done? Uh, he's, a, he's united the world
1: against him, and he's united Ukraine. Like I said, an evil genius, Doctor Evil. But yeah. the, you know, if, if it were a comedy, you'd laugh. But the sad part is, is it's true, and you have to see these people that are maimed, and people have lost family members, and I, I you know, I've lost colleagues, and I, it's, it, it's so. It's so damn frustrating, honestly, John, because we've been down this road before. When do we learn as a people that this stuff doesn't work? And if you want a a society to work, you've got to treat each other civilly and you can draw whatever inferences to the Academy Award you want out of that statement. But the, the simple fact of the matter is, until we treat each other a little bit better, and it's man's inhumanity to man that causes every problem. And Putin is just another narcissist. He's he's definitely Trump, who's been a little more successful, and that's frightening because he shows you what Trump would be like had Trump known what he was doing.
0: But I guess that's why I'm so inspired, Mr. Karim, because <laughs> no, because look at how we as, and when I say we, I mean the world. Are responding. We are not putting foreign troops into Ukraine. We are helping yeah. Ukraine as much as we can, creating this wall of resistance to what Putin's doing that spans millions and millions of people. We're all terrified of, of nukes. Putin, of course, has talked about nukes, which tells me he's unsettled. But I mean... Is this the future of warfare? Because I'm well, sorry, yeah. capitalism, capitalism has been the unsung hero here. All these corporations, some of them had to be dragged into it, but pulling their interests and their franchises out of Russia. I mean, there's so many people pitching John, in in real John, ways. John,
1: John, you know, everybody just wants to make money. Putin, sit down. You're messing up the piggy bank. Yes, that's what I mean. We can all make money together.
0: What is wrong with you, bubula? I mean, this is, it, yes, it's it. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's what Vito Corleone said, too. It's like yeah, it's bad for business. I know, I know. And this kind of war is bad for business. Look what this Bush did. Bad. This is bad business. Dick, Chinese, <laughs> Dick Cheney's Dick <laughs> company got 40 billion of our tax dollars uh, in yeah. no bid contracts like it was great for business. But this to me shows that if the world presents a united front, this kind of aggression could become a thing of the historical past.
1: Well, I think you, people do have to give uh, Biden some credit, not his communication staff, mind you, because Biden's communication staff is horrible, but Biden himself deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. And they have bungled the messaging. When he came out in, uh, in Pol- look, they did a lot in Poland that literally probably scared the living crap out of Putin. All right, first of all, they, they show up and NATO is like, We're still, we're hard together. More sanctions. We're coming down on you. So that's solidified. Then he shows up in Poland with the 82nd Airborne Division. Hello. That's that's not raw recruits. The 82nd Airborne Division are some bad, you know what, mothers. So that says, look, I'm a stone's throw away. Here's what we have. We know what you have. right? Right. Right. We're vetted by 40 years of war. We know how to do this shit. You people don't. So sit down and be quiet. It's true, and then he, then he shows up and speaks from Poland, and what does he say? Nine words. God sakes, this man cannot st- remain in charge. Right? Then power cannot remain in power. Truer words were never spoken. There were there was. I mean, I had people who were trying. My signal app lit up. People who were Trump fans called me up and said, "Finally." I had the our driver who lost his family in in eastern Ukraine said, thank you for recognizing this is something that he was. He didn't invent the saying. He was just reflecting what millions, if not billions of people across the planet no, realize this guy is is public enemy number
0: one. And if yeah, you but, can't
1: recognize <laughs> that, what the hell?
0: But you what, came what, back what, to a country where Joe Biden gets in trouble for telling the truth. That's well, where and right the, but
1: they did themselves. So, yeah. But the problem was that's where they messed up. Biden said it and they should have just left it. If it were Donald Trump, his minions would come out and go, well, you heard what the president said. I'm not going to get ahead of him on it. In yeah. other words, I'm keeping my mouth shut. i let this guy ramble, but they won't do that in this White House. They are always trying to save him. And so when they try to save him, it was for we don't even know who wrote the uh, the memo to us that came down to the press. But right. as soon as he got off that stage in Poland and I asked that question today in the briefing and they would not answer it. Two of us tried to find out who wrote that, that memo that, and who inspired it. Yeah. I don't think that Biden did. I think that they were trying to protect him and that in yeah. trying to protect him, they undercut the message. And then he had to come back and double down and take the walk back back. And that made him look weak. And the, and the thing is is what he actually did was very presidential and what yeah. his communication staff did was very grade schoolish and they always shoot themselves in the foot that way
0: i think people years from now will remember the speech and the nine words they won't remember the walkbacks and the walkbacks of the walkbacks. i but, hope I mean, not i agree you, with you you had a piece in uh in in salon last week report from ukraine tension rises as russian war crimes revealed what's putin's next move Are you at all hopeful after today's news that we may have seen the bloodshed peak or do Uh. you fear that Vladimir Putin is just going to let a lot more Ukrainians and a lot more Russian soldiers needlessly die to prove a point?
1: Well, John, I will only reserve uh, my opinion for Putin. In this case, it will it will only sound like one other person I've ever known in my life, and that would be Donald Trump. And I'll say this, do not believe a word that vladimir putin says only believe his actions and then check those that man can't be trusted he's always proven that he can't be trusted um i think biden might actually be able to get to him i think the strangling him i i think at the end of this however this ends up it doesn't end up well for russia their their economy is going to be crippled they've gone back maybe 60 years and as one of the generals in russia said don't take us back to 1917 this they they've diminished on the international scene yeah and ukraine has risen on the international scene and everyone who is helping them there are you know the mayor of of kyiv came on i was in a press conference with him the former you know boxer yeah and he and he ground champion boxer so he came out and he said that you know look this is the biggest war since World War II. And if you don't believe this affects you, you're wrong. And truer words were never spoken. This is, from what I've seen, the whole world is there. Whether it escalates and gets out of control to something that turns into, the you know, where the next uh, war is fought with sticks and stones, if we're able to fight it at all, how it gets from where it is now to there, thats that's what you have to worry about, is making sure that it doesn't expand. Uh, And on that regard, I think Biden has chosen a a very precarious, but so far wise path. The one thing that I think that they could do that they haven't done is, you know, I, and I asked that question in the briefing room today as well. Can you engage in lend lease? You know, we don't want to give them airplanes and we don't want to give them pilots. Uh, But what if they bought or leased them and they had their own volunteer pilots? Uh, something to put up a sky cap or a net over right. so that they don't get you know whacked by Russians all the time. But other than that, I think that Biden has you know been very judicious in the way he's uh, applied
0: his power to that situation, so it doesn't overly escalate it. You've written, uh, the Ukrainians are salty, funny, gritty, determined, and thanks to Putin, more united than ever. Each day is tough. Each day their resolve strengthens. Each day the terror and war crimes are exposed. No way this ends well for Putin or Russia. It it was fascinating following your footage while you were there, and I know you were making a documentary as well with your son. You traveled with your Mm -hmm, son to the war zone. That's a good family activity. Congratulations. Well, you
1: know. I said, where do you want to go for vacation? He goes,
0: "Ah, let's go to Ukraine. I said, all right, sure. Why not? (laughs) Um, I I do want to talk uh, while we can. And I want to talk more about it in the weeks to come about six feet apart. Because you yep. drove across the country at the beginning of the pandemic to really shine a light on what the White House at that time was saying and what was really going on. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited to see the film, and I want to have you back after I've gotten to watch it. But let me, oh, let yeah. me ask, Take a look. what was it, as someone who's gone cross-country making documentaries, what did you learn? What was the most shocking thing you discovered? Well, that was another thing I did with my youngest son. All right, So
1: Wyatt and I went, uh, decided to go across country uh, to get back here. And they had locked the country down while we were out in California. And so instead of flying back, they canceled all the flights. I had to get back for work. So, and White had to get back. He was living in DC at the time. So we decided to drive back. My wife stayed to watch our grandson. So basically the documentary is about our trip across the country and who we talked to at the time. And um, it ends, (laughs) it, it starts with the family and it ends with me in the white house asking uh, the president a question and him going nuts. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it's a journey across the heart of America. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know what, how to describe it otherwise. So, but the thing I found that was, um, I found American people to be resilient. Yeah. I found that they are, there's more good and people like to talk to each other. And if you treat them kindly and decently, they'll usually treat you kindly and decently and, Uh, You know, as my mom said or my grandmother said when we were little, don't talk about, you know,
0: religion and politics and you'll be fine. (laughs) I found the same thing, but I find you can talk about religion and politics with them one on one, too. Maybe not in groups. Yeah, that's true. I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're safe. I want to have you back to talk about the film as soon as possible and to talk about what's going on with the former guy. What's the best way for our listeners to keep up with you and your work?
1: Um, uh, I have a weekly column in Salon.com. Uh, The documentary is out. It's called uh, uh, Six Feet Apart, and you can get it on Amazon. The book is called Free the Press, and it's it's available wherever fine books are sold. The podcast is com, and I'll finish with this. This Friday on 2020, ABC 2020 has a two-hour documentary on another book that I wrote about a murder.
0: So that, Brian, that
1: if you like murder mystery stuff, you, you show are up for the that.
0: busiest man in politics next to Donald Trump's legal defense team. Thank you so much for joining us. Delve into the shadows of the
1: mind with "Sleeping Dogs," a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
0: Now, uh, Donald Trump said in a new interview today, uh, he called on Putin to release information regarding alleged dealings between Hunter Biden and various Ukrainian oligarchs, just pushing more lies. But the real story, the White House records have been turned over to the January 6th committee, and it shows this seven hour, 37 minute gap in Donald Trump's phone logs for the day. The cover-up is always worse than the crime. And we're not even talking about Trump's hair or his spray tan here. Um, The lack of an official White House notation of any calls placed to Trump or from Trump for 457 minutes, this is from 11.17 a.m. on the 6th of January 2021 until 6.54 p.m., means that there's no record of Donald Trump's phone conversations while his supporters at his rally were committing a terrorist attack on our capital, Donald Trump lied to CBS News and said he has no idea what a burner phone is. He's never even heard the term, which is a lie, and John Bolton's already called him out for it. He has burner phones, like he's had burner wives and burner businesses, burner LLCs, and burner chiefs of staff. Uh, Right away, John Bolton told CBS, uh, told Robert Costa, that he heard Trump use the phrase burner phone several times. But what does it mean? You know, obviously Trump had nothing to do with the records. He probably assumed that his calls were recorded and preserved. But there's this seven hour, seven and a half hour gap in the phone logs. This is the cover up. There has been so much reporting from journalists and authors. There have been books written about all the phone conversations Donald Trump had that day. So now the panel is investigating whether Trump communicated through back channels, the phones of aides around him, or personal disposable phones, the burner phones. But this is what a cover-up looks like. Donald Trump Jr. has been saying he was trying so hard to call his dad all day, but his dad was busy. <sighs> so this story is really not gonna go away. This was during the entire attack The National Archives gave these records to the committee earlier this year, and they're still trying to determine whether Trump used burner phones or his AIDS phones during the attacks. But this is the code of silence in Trump world. It's not so much that Donald Trump, uh, someone's covering it up. Who's doing it? We already see White House officials in contempt of Congress, two brand new ones, Navarro and What's-His-Face, for refusing to show up and testify about their roles in the riot, Um. You know, Navarro and, uh, and Scavino, um, which is also my old law firm. Both of these guys have in their brains key information about role, Trump's role in planning January 6th. Uh, Navarro had the secret plan called the Green Bay Sweep. He was using to convince senators to try to legislatively overturn Joe Biden's victory and legally steal the election. Scavino, he was the point man for the, the MAGA people on the ground. He got so many people to show up that day. And on top of this, this happened yesterday. A judge ordered John Eastman, Trump's lawyer, to release the emails he tried to hide from the January 6th committee. Federal judge ruled just yesterday that Trump more likely than not attempted to illegally obstruct Congress when he tried to overturn the legal election on January 6th. This is U.S. District Court Judge David Carter made the determination and orders 101 sensitive emails from lawyer John Eastman to be turned over to the Select Committee. The judge said, based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress January 6th, 2021. This is John Eastman, the same guy who wrote the memo outlining the scheme to get Mike Pence to overturn the election. John Eastman, who used to be a clerk for Clarence Thomas, who is married to a woman who was very active in preparing this entire event and was texting back and forth all day with Donald Trump's chief of staff. Now this is probably not going to increase the chances of a Trump indictment just yet, but it's a lot of stuff happening all at once. The department of justice has given us no signs that they're planning charging a former president. It's never been done before, but this ruling by this judge The question's not going to go away. The pressure on Merrick Garland's not going to go away. Uh, Preet Bharara told Axios, uh, Judge Carter's ruling has no actual weight with the DOJ, but it's not a small thing that a judge has found evidence that Trump himself has committed a crime. It's not proof beyond a reasonable doubt, but it's enough to invoke what is called the crime fraud exception. All of this, while he was giving a Nazi rally, lying about Judge Kataji Brown-Jackson, who he said was unbelievably disrespectful to Republican senators during her confirmation hearings. Folks who support Donald Trump don't care about the truth. It's a cult. We know it's a cult. We can't hate him. We got to call him out. We got to ridicule him. We got to beat him. We can't hate him. Gotta hope they come into the light at some point. Matt Gates, by the way, said he plans to nominate Trump for Speaker of the House. Uh, Trump has already said he has no interest in this whatsoever. But this guy's in Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene, at Trump's Nazi rally, I don't think she understands how being gay really works, but she tried to scare people with homophobic bullshit about uh, Pete Buttigieg's husband. She said, um, he and his husband can stay out of our girls' bathrooms. That, even as a homophobe, doesn't make any sense. But it's still important. It's stupid. It's wrong. But it shows they were at the rally with the former president. They are no longer fringe, and they are not just anti-trans. They're going back to being more anti-gay than ever. Look what Florida's doing with the Don't Say Gay Bill, which would ban teachers from talking about sexual orientation in certain grades or in all grades. They're dipping their toe back into the homophobic pond, and it's not going to work long term. It'll work with the horrible racist people who show up at a Trump rally. It's not going to work on a national level. The Republican Party can't stop making itself smaller.